Good morning and welcome to this podcast on the book of Revelation. Today we come to chapter 14 of this wonderful book, and I just want to pray before we start, so let's call on the Lord together. Heavenly Father, we are your children. We need your help every step of the way. We cannot do anything by ourselves. So we look to you and we pray that you would open the eyes and ears of our understanding that we may see and receive what you have for us and be transformed that we would become more like Christ. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Revelation is a book about what had been, what was, and what was yet to come. It's Jesus speaking to the Apostle John on the island of Patmos and revealing things to him that are yet to come. In chapter 14, we're continuing in a place where I heard one friend call it color commentary. In other words, the narrative of what's yet to come is sort of on hold and you're filling in the background information on various events. And especially in chapter 14, it's almost like watching the nightly news where you have some unrelated stories. Well, it's all related, but separate events almost like here's the local news, here's the national news, and here's the international news, so to speak, as we see laid out these various parts of chapter 14. I don't know how far we will get into chapter 14, but I'm going to start off by reading the first five verses, and we'll spend some time talking about those. 14 verse 1. Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him a hundred and forty-four thousand who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps, and they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever he goes." These have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the Lamb, and in their mouth no lie was found, for they are blameless. May God bless this reading and perceiving of his holy word. Amen. Think of this like uh, Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's looking over, inspecting, if you will, 12 divisions of his soldiers of 12,000 each for 144,000 from the 12 tribes that we looked at earlier. I believe that was in chapter 7. And if you had any doubt about the commitment level of these troops, just look at them and see that on their own forehead is is his name and his father's name written there for all the world to see that we belong to the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is at a point in time just shortly before the day of the Lord when Jesus comes back. This is right before 
the bold judgments. Uh, this is almost at the end of the seven years of tribulation. During Throughout this time of tribulation, None of these witnesses, none of these soldiers, so to speak, have been lost. 144,000 Jews, not a single one of them has been lost. Many, many, many people have lost their lives, but none of these, not even one. And John says he could hear them singing. They were singing their fight song, so to speak. It was a song known, known only to them, and they were singing it with accompaniment out of heaven. Verse 4, it says, he's referencing the the 144,000. He said, they had not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. This is the very thing that Paul talked about in several places, but particularly in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He, He spoke about, he wasn't speaking against marriage, but he made the point that those who are able to live like that, like he was doing, they they would be able to serve God more completely because it was only God's agenda. And if we have a family, if we have wife and children, then then it's not a wrong thing. It's a great thing. God created the family. He created marriage. So marriage is a wonderful thing. Family is a wonderful thing. But when we have family, then we have those needs competing with our time for God. We can give ourselves fully to God, and we do when we have a family if we're following after Christ, but we still have obligations that that conflict with the time we have available. And so these guys, these 144,000, had chosen to, to not marry and to follow hard after God. And, and they're the first fruits. They're the, they're the first of the crop from the period of tribulation. They've been the, the evangelistic arm for God throughout the tribulation. Many Jews have died, but not one of these. And he says, for in their mouth no lie was found. They are blameless. They are speaking the gospel. They're, they're preaching the good news of Jesus, and they're doing it uh, exactly according to the word of God as God enabled them to. All right, we're going to read verses 6 through 8 and, and talk about two of the three angels, and if we get there, we'll, we'll get to the third angel, starting with verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Another angel, a second, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. In some translations, the reference to flying directly overhead will likely say flying in mid-heaven. And what mid-heaven and directly overhead mean is that through the air, through the visible air. So imagine being on the earth during that time and having an angel flying overhead where you can see for all the world to see 
and he goes to every nation and every person that dwells on earth and every tribe and every language and every people and, and makes this proclamation about God, about serving God and fearing God and giving God the glory because the hour of judgment has come. This addresses so many things. The, the first thing is this thing where people uh, always ask the question, well, what about this place far away where nobody ever heard? Well, everybody's going to hear this person. They're going to hear this angel proclaiming from the skies above, proclaiming the glory of God. And what is he proclaiming? He's proclaiming an eternal gospel. Why is it an eternal gospel? Because Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. The, the coming and the death and resurrection of Jesus were in line before the world was even created. This was God's plan that this that Jesus would come. And so it's an eternal gospel. It never changes. And he said with a loud voice, everybody can hear, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. And you need to worship not man, not, not these false gods, not these idols. Worship the one who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water and everything in them. Worship the one true God. Don't worship idols. Don't worship little g gods. Don't worship people. Worship God and him alone. The message they're proclaiming is a simple message. It's so simple and straightforward. Uh, just like in 1 John 5, 11, and 12, he says, This is the testimony. Whoever has the Son has God. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have God. How much clearer could that be than that? That's just as straightforward as it gets. This first angel fulfills a prophecy, and we see that prophecy, Jesus giving it in uh, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14 when he said, and this gospel, this same eternal gospel we're talking about here of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Like we were just saying, this is short, this is right before the bowls of judgment, and they come quickly, and then comes the great day of the Lord, the great and terrible day of the Lord, terrible for those who have put on the, the mark of the beast, the mark of the Antichrist, who do not uh, have not put their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who have not been born again, born from above. The second angel referred to in verse 8 says, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. Babylon is where pagan worship began. So it, it's the root and source of all pagan worship. And that pagan worship is simply worship of anything or anyone other than God. After, after Noah, after the flood, Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, God had said, uh, go out into the world and fill the earth, populate the earth. And 
Ham is the forerunner of Nimrod, who you'll see referenced in uh, Genesis 10, verse 8. And, and they were obstinate before the Lord because instead of doing that, they gathered together in Babylon and decided, let's build a tower here. In other words, they were defying God and saying, no, we're going we're gonna to do it our way. Nimrod being the great grandson of Noah and his wife, Saramis, she is referred to as the queen of heaven. We're not talking about God's heaven. We're talking about th this is just pure pagan worship. This is almost just a little short of 2,000 years before Christ came. We can see how God felt about this, uh, for example, in Ezekiel chapter 8, verses 12 through 15. God is speaking to Ezekiel and, and basically he takes, he says, come here, I want to show you something. I'm, I'm obviously paraphrasing. And he takes him and he shows him where women are weeping uh, over Tammuz, which is the, the son of Nimrod and Saramis, and, and they're worshiping, they're worshiping Tammuz. And, and he showed Ezekiel, other things. What they had done was they had brought some of these pagan idols into the temple. They didn't bring them right into the, obviously, to the Holy of Holies, but in different places, kind of in the dark. They were, they were out there, and they were bowing and honoring these, these pagans, these idols, which are not God. And God has said we should worship him and worship him only. So the Shekinah glory of God departed from the temple at that point in time. Anything or anyone that we worship, that there is no person that we go through to get to God. It's only through Christ. Christ is the mediator. He's the only mediator. There is no other mediator. We, we cannot put anybody else in that position or give to anyone else uh, attributes that belong to God alone. And so anything we do that puts that comes between us and God that we're giving loyalty and worship and honor to, and, and it may not look like we normally would think that would look, it's something that takes a place of God. It, it may be something, it can be anything, but any person or anything that takes that place is a dishonor to God, and it's it's pagan worship. So I'm out of time, and I'm going to stop there, and I just pray God's blessings on each of you, and that we'll continue to to study and look and seek to go go deeper into this book that we call Revelation. And God said, blessed are those who read it and those who hear it. Amen. Take care. God bless you.